DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. Welcome to the Hustle Unlimited podcast. And before you look back at your phone with a confused glance, let me assure you that you are in the right place. But I am not your normal host, Donald Thompson. My name is Jason Gillikin, and I'll be your host because your guest today is a man you're looking for here, Donald Thompson. And we talk about his new ebook, Driving Diversity and Inclusion in the Workplace. We had a great conversation, and I can't wait to share it with you. But before we get started, make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave a rating and review and tell a friend. All of those things help other people find the show and helps bring on great entrepreneurs. And if you leave a review, then the ebook we're talking about today for you is free at donaldthompson.com. Well, actually, the book is free for everyone, but hey, that's free. This content is free. So helping us out by writing a review would be much appreciated. There's all different slices of diversity. If you're attacking complex problems in any environment, the different types of thinking coalesced against a common goal are going to give you a stronger positive outcome. So diversity just makes business sense. So that means if I'm going up against a firm that has all Caucasian males and I have women in leadership, African-Americans on the team, uh, Hispanics on the team, our thinking is going to be more broad and powerful than someone that's team looks and talks and thinks and acts alike. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Hustle Unlimited podcast. Our mission is to inspire greatness in people who are chasing their dreams. You'll have access to entrepreneurs and business leaders who will give you the fuel to chase the dreams you have. Our guests want to give back to the next generation of leaders by sharing the details of their journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. Our guest today is literally doing all of that, giving back to the next generation of leaders and sharing lessons learned by giving away a free ebook on his website. That guest, of course, is the usual host of this show, Donald Thompson. I'm Jason Gillikin, and today I had the opportunity to talk to Donald about that book, Driving Diversity and Inclusion in the Workplace. What does it mean to make an effort for diversity in the workplace? 
And what happens when an effort isn't made? When some people think about diversity, they immediately think about race. But diversity is about so much more. It's race, gender, age, background, religion, politics, and even the department in which you work. For Donald, as the CEO of WalkWest, advisor, board member to many companies, I had to wonder how he had the time to write a book. One of the things that I think about in business and in life is you make time for the things that you think are really important, uh, number one. And then number two, I try not to do things that are really important by myself. I worked with a firm uh, that I partnered with, Creative Allies, that basically helped me construct the package of the book. So they spent about two weeks interviewing me, asking me questions. They would transcript my thoughts, and uh, we were able to come up with something with an hour here, an hour there, where I could really see myself spending that time writing something with the help of a great team. So he had the team behind him, but then in doing any project like this, there needs to be a reason, a motivation. So I asked Donald about his why. So one of the things I've been hearing about as a business owner and certainly have lived is diversity inclusion now in our macroeconomic environment is a thing, right? CEOs are paying attention to it. Uh, people are covering it on TV. It's now something that has permeated corporate America. A lot of times themes and buzzwords don't necessarily have the depth associated with them. And in this case, it does. People really care. People are really trying to change. And what they're missing more than likely is the steps to do something in an area that they think is good, right? Because once you're convinced, once you say diversity and inclusion is good, it's powerful, it's meaningful, yes, I should do that. How? Who can help me? And why does it matter to my business to make it a top of the line item, right, in the CEO discussion? So you mentioned that it's sometimes just buzzwords. Do you feel like that's a case in a lot of companies where it is just buzzwords and it's not much of an effort to, to actually have diversity in the workplace? So one of the things, I think it is true, but it's a buzzword in a good way. You can have a buzz or a theme or a fad where people are searching. I do take people at their word when they're talking about diversity and inclusion that they mean it. They just need somebody to show them the way. Yeah. And that's really a different tone than other fads. Right. And so as a part of the educational gap that's missing around diversity and inclusion, I have a story. It doesn't mean I have all the answers. It just means my 25 plus years in corporate America, an African-American CEO, I can look at the process and the progress from a different lens. And I feel it's my responsibility to share that perspective. Okay. Um, so you're an African-American CEO. You didn't start out that way. <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> so part B of this book, uh, you talk about more advice to upcoming mm -hmm. African-Americans. And when you started out, you said in the book that you were in the warehouse. Um, you had dropped out of college. You were working in a warehouse. You hated your job, but you read and you got mentors. I guess uh, first, can you talk about your path from warehouse to CEO? Yeah, sure. Um, and then as a follow-up to that, what advice from this book would you give to 20-year-old Donald Thompson? Yeah, so two things. One, in terms of the start and from the warehouse to where I am today, one of the things from a work ethic standpoint that I got from my mom and dad is that there's no reason to be out of work. Mm -hmm. It might not be the job you want, might not be the job you're trained for, but you should spend time earning a living wage to take care of your responsibilities as an adult. And if I made the decision that school wasn't for me, I wanted to pursue some entrepreneur ventures, but I didn't have any capital, so I needed something to keep the lights on. So I worked as a security guard uh, in a warehouse in Durham. One of the things that was discouraging about this job is because it was a huge warehouse, but there was nothing in it. <laughs> 
And so I asked my manager one day, what am I guarding? What am I protecting? What is my role in this warehouse? And he said, you're here in case there's fire and the sprinkler systems don't work. You can call the fire department first. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> right? You felt very important. I felt very important at, the, at that point. But anyway, the, the thing that brought me forward in business in all candor is I knew something better was destined for me. And where I was at the moment was not my future. And so I leveraged the jobs that I had as a security guard, as a manager at Dollar General, as a telemarketer, right? Things that are good jobs, but weren't what I felt like I was destined to do as a testing ground. Mm -hmm. And what was I going to do in my free time, in my extra time, to give me a path for a better way? Mm -hmm. And reading books gave me the ability to learn and grow from people that I aspired to be like without knowing them personally. Yeah. And I could take little tips, little tricks from there. And one of the things that was really important is one of the books that I read talked about finding a career where a degree and pedigree doesn't matter, and that's sales. And so I had to find a way where my performance overcame my lack of proper background, proper education, proper uh, family name. And in selling, if you can make the number right? You can make progress. Absolutely. And so that would be, was that one of the piece of advice that you would give to your 20-year-old self? A couple things for my 20-year-old self. Number one, uh, I would continue to do what I did, which is find smart people that'll give you time and listen to them and write down what they say yeah. and try it. Yeah. Right. A lot of people have mentors, they listen to them, but they don't try what they've recommended. Right. Right. And so that's one thing. The second thing that I would say is I would have gotten into a field faster that had legs, hmm. right? Technology pharmaceutical sales, marketing, something to where the macroeconomic environment of that industry was going to have legs for the next 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. It's hard to know sometimes though, what, what will be in 20 years because, you know, the, the internet, let's say sure. you had no idea back in the early nineties that the internet was going to be a thing. I didn't know the internet was going to be a thing and you're a million percent right, but a new technology would be. Yeah. I knew that People were using computers for functions that they were used to use uh, pad and paper. That's true. I, I knew that people were using less telephone and they were using more email. So I understood that anything in and around technology was going to move. And so one of the key jobs that I got was an inside sales guy where I could use my telemarketing skills with a company called Alphatronics. And they sold data storage. I didn't know anything about data storage. I didn't anything about technology, but I was really, really good on the phone. It was really persuasive and I was a hard worker. Yeah. No from a prospect did not change my enthusiasm. And so I got the job. Now I was in technology. Yeah. Now I had people in technology willing to teach me the ins and outs. I could take my hard work ethic, apply that to the learning they gave me. And now I was in a new space. I didn't care where the door was. I didn't care if that was the absolute bottom job at that company, which it was. I was in the space that was going to have legs for the next 10, 20 years. Smart. So the books that you read, uh, the mentors that you had, are there any in particular that stand out? So books in particular, there's a, there's a few, but I'll talk about one in particular. It's called The Magic of Thinking Big. And the, it tried to incorporate in people's lives is having large goals is your responsibility. Having large goals gives you the motivation to work harder than you would normally. Having large goals makes you seek out mentors that aspire to the level that you do. Having large goals makes you choose your friends wisely. People talk a lot about peer pressure. I think peer pressure is great as long as you have the right friends. 
It's true. There's nothing wrong with peer pressure. Yeah. You just have the wrong peers most of the time. And and that's that's some of the lessons that I learned through reading. Another book later in life that uh, I'm really, really a big fan of, Think and Grow Rich. It's not because I only thought about money, although money was a motivator to me. Think and Grow Rich talk us about the psychology of how wealthy people think and plan and grow. And that was really, really important to me to know the decisions and the thought process of people that were really, really successful. And what I found is I could emulate most of them. Mm-hmm. What were your goals then when you were first starting out? Like, did you have the goal of, of growing? I always wanted to be a multimillionaire. Okay. So everything that I did, every step that I took was to get that goal. The money to me only meant, and, t- and to this day it's the same, choices. Mm-hmm. I understood that if I was a millionaire or I became a multimillionaire, then that mean I had to be in a leadership position in whatever company I was working in. Yeah. I had to own the company. I had to be an executive in the company. If I was a multimillionaire, I could give to charity and causes that I felt strongly about. If I was a multimillionaire, I wouldn't have to worry about how to send my kids to college. I would be able to pay for that and write a check. If I was a multimillionaire, I wouldn't have the stress and strain of money. I could allow life to be my journey and not chasing a dollar bill. What I found is most people that don't have money spend most of their time talking about it. Yeah. And you didn't have the field expertise in anything in particular, but you had the hustle, hence Hustle Unlimited here. That's exactly right. I think that most people will work hard. Most people will chase things that they believe in. But most importantly, if they have a positive impact on other people. Yeah. And as I was growing and I was, as I was building a family, uh, I wanted to create and kind of change the financial dynamic in, in the future of my kids and the future of, of the people that I know and the people that I represent. Yep. Um, well, let's get back to the book here. So what happens if there's not an effort for diversity and does it then stymie growth of a company? So personally, if you think about my life, and then if I think about the companies that I've worked with that have been successful, there's been diversity, whether it be in age, diversity, whether it be ethnicity, gender, different parts of the country where people are raised, religion. There's all different slices of diversity. If you're attacking complex problems in any environment, the different types of thinking coalesced against a common goal are going to give you a stronger positive outcome. So diversity just makes business sense. Yeah. So that means if I'm going up against a marketing agency, I'm a CEO right now of a digital consulting firm, and we help companies not just with their marketings, but to create marketing that has behavioral impact on the clients they want to serve. If I'm going up against a firm that has all Caucasian males, Mm -hmm. and I have women in leadership, African-Americans on the team, uh, Hispanics on the team, our thinking is going to be more broad and powerful than someone that's team looks and talks and thinks and acts alike. Yeah. It doesn't make them bad people or us better people. It just means my ideas are going to be more powerful. Right. And that's what we want, right? You want more powerful ideas. You want more powerful outcomes in your business. And in that regard, then diversity has a great impact on the bottom line. Yeah. So even if you don't believe it, you should still do it. For your shareholders, right? Because it moves the needle in how companies can grow and thrive in this economic environment. Well, it makes so much sense that you're going to get different ideas from people of different backgrounds. Um, exactly. And one thing that you mentioned in your book is that you want those different ideas, but it's always the best idea that wins. And if you can have the different ideas. The best idea wins is one of the tenets that I firmly believe is foundational to any success that I've had. And that means when you think about a company, that's whether it's an intern 
an executive. That means that somebody been with the company for two weeks or 10 years. If you have an environment where the best idea wins, then that's going to open up people within your organization to give their best thinking. Yeah. Right. And if you have people in your organization that provide the best thinking, then that's great for your clients. And it's also great to recruit the most talented people to want to work with your firm. One of the things that I've done well, and a lot of things, uh, I heard a friend of mine say it, uh, that he's a master of mistakes. Right. And I subscribe to that. Right. <laughs> good. Right. Like, yeah, like, I think that's a great firm. So I'm a yeah. master of mistakes. But one of the things I've done well is really learn from smart people, independent of their title or role. And I'm always in the way and I'm always open for good learning and new knowledge. Yeah. So practically, how does that work? How does diversity work? And do you start from the very beginning with, with hiring? And is that hiring interns? Like, how do, you, how do you make sure then that your workforce is diverse? That's a great question. I can speak to my perspective on this. It has to be intentional because the lack of diversity in many cases is unintentional. I don't think that people that don't have a diverse environment are racist. I don't think that they don't want women in leadership or they don't like black people. That's why they don't have them. But if they never went to school with any and you're hiring people in your own social network and referrals from a friend of a friend, like it happens. Yeah. And you can blink one day and then you've got an organization of 20, 30, 50, 100, 500 people and they all walk, talk, look the same. Your business is growing and you, you don't really think about it as a top line issue. So that's unintentional, but it has a major impact on whether diversity is in your environment. That means in order to change it, you have to be intentional. And that means it has to be a C-level issue. Nothing major happens in a company of any size without the CEO being on board with it. Yeah. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. People can talk all they want about empowering their organization. They can talk about management through allowing people to spread their wings and all that stuff. But everybody in the organization follows the cue of the leadership. And if that leadership is looking within its organization and mentoring young women to help them rise, looking through the organization and talking to the recruiters that are going to colleges and saying, look, you're going to NC State. You're going to Duke. Why aren't you going to Central? Why aren't you going to A&T? Why aren't you going to Howard? If no one is putting that intentional pressure on the process, then nothing will change. So you have to start with the leadership of the organization believing in a very matter-of-fact way that diversity matters to their bottom line. It is not just something for a press release. It's something to create power in the organization. Yeah, I actually worked at a company once where everybody looked like me, uh, a white man. I remember one time we hired a woman, and I I was not in the the C-suite, but we hired a woman, and the boss is like, well, this will look good too. And I'm like, okay, well... That's not exactly why. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, you want to have, you know, different ideas. And, uh, you know, we're, we're too white male-centric here. Right, right, right. But for, for you and your career, has there any, ever been a time where you were in a company and it wasn't as diverse as it should have been and you weren't able to grow as much as you could have because of it? All right. So here's the – it's a great question, right? So I'll repeat the question and then I'll, I'll give the answer. So your question is, in my experience, have I ever been in a company that wasn't as diverse as it should have been? Yeah. You're asking that of a black man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like every company. <laughs> like every single company. <laughs> like every single company that I've sold to. Like every single company that I've interacted with. Like yes. <laughs> yeah. right? And so the, the thing about it is – 
I would look at those things. I would go to conferences in the technology <laughs> space with 800 people, 1,000 people, 2,000 people, and, and be in places where I was the only one that looks like me. Yeah. My perspective was this. That raised the bar for my level of performance. I had to be a top performer so that when a business leader that I was interacting with interviewed an African-American male, their perspective on the behavior, the characteristics, the value of that person was that person's resume. Plus, I know Donald Thompson and man, he really puts it down in terms of productivity. And so I took it as a part of my battle armor that I needed to do not a good job, but a great job at everything that I did to be an example, to change perceptions, to change hearts and minds a little bit. And we all have, based on our background, a little racist in us, a little bit of bias in us, right? Mm -hmm. And the goal is not to beat ourselves up for those things that we need to change, but to not let those things about us that we don't think are positive rule our behavior. Yeah. Right. And that's the mature perspective, right? You acknowledge who you are as, as a person and, and the way you grew up and, and things you've heard and, and different things, but you don't allow that to seep into the right decision. And if the best qualified candidate and that right person is there to be promoted, that you look at how do you raise them up, right? Not look how you revert to things that are familiar to you. Yeah. And that's the fight that we all have to have. Yeah, it's a little bit different than what we we're taught in that everybody mm -hmm. is equal and everybody is the same. Well, equal is the wrong word, but that everybody is the same. And right. Because people are different. That's right. But it's those differences that, that matter and, and that, that can elevate a company and, and have that different perspective. Those differences that matter. I think that's a really great way that you phrased it. And what I would think about is the fact that everyone being the same, number one, it's boring. But number two... If you're going to build something great, then it should be great enough to be inclusive. Yeah. If you're going to build an amazing company, then it should be amazing enough that it's inclusive. And what are you missing in your organization that it typecasts only a certain individual? I think it's because your goals are too small. If your goals are big enough, then the tent should be large. And you talk about finding those ideas and making sure that you're talking to everybody in your company. And one of the ways that you do that is... Just kind of walking around and sure. getting different ideas and you know, making sure when you hire somebody new that you're, what, taking them out to lunch and, and getting their, their ideas are just kind of. Yeah. So a couple of specific things from a leadership standpoint in companies is number one, I try to do internal lunch and learns mm -hmm. um, and just talk to folks about the company. But more important, give people space to ask questions yeah. about things that they see that are working and, and they're happy about. But more importantly, things that they would like to see change or that they're concerned about. I had a lunch um, last week with our development and our design team here at WalkQuest. And I just got a chance to hear a point of view from some of our hardcore creatives, some of our developers. And they see the world differently than I do, right? They're diverse in terms of their chosen profession and yeah. the slice of that profession. And so it's really, really important that as a leader, I create the opportunity for people to have space to get to know me. The leader is responsible for keeping the walls down and for keeping communication open. And I really think that's very important. I don't always do it uh, as well as I should, but I always work to improve it. Yeah. Um, we're different in a lot of different ways. Sure. And it's not always about skin color. It's not always about gender. Sometimes, and you touch on it in the book, 
it's about politics or yeah. religion. <laughs> hey, hot button items. Uh, very hot button <laughs> items. Okay, so at Walk West, you've got Republicans, you've got <laughs> Democrats, and you know you say that uh, you should try to read a different newspaper than you always do, or yeah, yeah. watch a different TV channel than you usually do. Okay, what was Walk West like in 2016, 2017 when it was super hot and it was a different yeah, political yeah, climate? Yeah, kind of crazy town in politics. Yeah, like, like how do you, like how do you come up with a a company or a company culture where it's okay to talk about things when it is just so tense? Yeah, that's a great question. So let me talk about it personally. Yeah, and then I'll bridge it to to Walk West. If you and I are friends, then we can talk about politics and religion. We can disagree vehemently, but I respect you because you're my friend. And if I can't talk about hard things with you, then you're my acquaintance. But my friends, I can talk about what's on my mind. They can agree or disagree, but we're friends because we have common decency in common. We have maybe some spiritual things in common, or even if we don't, we have enough respect for each other that we want to hear alternative point of views. In the workplace, First of all, I'm so busy. I don't really talk about politics that much yeah, uh, or religion that much. But if it comes up, I don't create a moral judgment because of somebody else's point of view as long as they give me space to share mine. Yeah. That's really all it's about. I don't really use in my mode the, the workplace to share my Christian values, although I believe in Jesus. I'm a hardcore independent in politics. Mm-hmm. I think both sides are bananas. <laughs> I think both sides are kind of ruled by the extremes, right, of their respective parties. Agreed. And my sport in talking politics, to get on a soapbox for just a minute, is I love to take the alternative view, whether I'm talking to Republican or Democrat, and point out the hypocrisy. (laughs) That's actually the funnest thing for me. And so I do stay pretty well read up because I like to be informed. But I do think that most people in our country are more in the middle and the fire flames are on the far left and the far right, and they get the most attention because they're the noisiest and they're the most dogmatic. But I think most people want to take care of their kids. Most people do want security in their country. Most people want clean water. Most people want an economy where they can work. They're not wanting to sit at home and be taken care of by the system. Most people want basic things that they can agree on. But we let the flamethrowers create such division that we think we're further apart from our friends and our neighbors than we really are. And that, to me, is a, is a disservice, actually. Yeah. Um, I think we're all a part of the hype machine uh, allowing us to think badly of our brother who we do not know. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I'll say on the politics as it lends to diversity is I think that the different point of views are powerful when they're coalesced to solve an important problem. So I'll give a current example. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Donald Trump and Pence couldn't be further apart on most issues. They came out of a meeting recently I read talking about doing something on the infrastructure of our country. And they described all groups that were in it, um, Republican, Democrat, that the discussion was productive and they're looking at smart ways to fund these initiatives. But by and large, they focused on this one central issue of how they could do something good for America. That should be what our politicians do every day. Yeah. That doesn't get as many clicks. And you know? Exactly right. Yeah. But that's not the news that people are chasing. But in right. reality, of all the noise, yeah. they actually had a meeting talking about something that was good for the country. Our bridge is crumbling. If a bridge crumbles and people die, white people, black people, Democrats, Republicans could all be on that bridge. Yeah. Like that's a, an example of something like we 
all probably should want better. I wish we could use diversity to figure out how to solve tough problems together. And I think that's whether it's politics, whether that's religion, whether that is, you know, any of the things we face. Yeah. And we probably need more diversity in politics too. I'm all about term limits. That's literally the only thing I've got going in terms of politics. Like it's term limits. Yeah. I just think if you've been there 40 years and haven't got shit done, like you should get fired. <laughs> well, and then also you, you've got to lose focus on yeah. who the real people are, right? That's if, right. If you're in that position of power so long. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in the book is that part of diversity is stepping outside of your comfort zone. Can you give an example of how you can do that or how I can, I can do that stepping out of my comfort zone? Yeah. One of the things that, you know, is really important is to intentionally spend time with people that are different than you. And so within your company, within your friend zone, within, you know, your environment, just start taking people to lunch that are different than you, that look different than you, that talk different than you, that work in different parts of the company, that are different countries. Like if you're a Carolina fan, take a Duke fan to, to lunch. Like, oh my God, that's blasphemy. And I'm not doing right, that. Yeah, no. Exactly right. Like I, <laughs> I lost a bunch of listeners on the podcast, right? Just, just right then. But intentionally look for people that have a different point of view, right? If you're in sales, take somebody to lunch from development. If you're in development, take somebody to lunch from marketing. What you'll find is that you're going to create some really powerful learning moments, and then also what you're going to find is you're going to create some other allies yeah. that are going to help you and that person be more successful in the company. And that's a simple example of, of what you can do. Now, are there situations where, um, you know, you've been through a, a lot in your life. Yeah, sure. And I imagine there's not a whole lot of places where you're uncomfortable. Do you get outside of your comfort zone? Is there a place that you go to get outside of your comfort zone? That's a really – like. That's an assumptive question, right? There's it not a lot a, of yeah. not a lot of places that I go that I feel uncomfortable. Am I right on that? I would say that you're right, and I'll add some context. It's because I don't choose to dwell on what's different about me because it slows me down. It's a burden that makes me heavier. Mm. It's a chip on the shoulder that would make me less approachable. Yeah. So as a part of advice for those that look like me or if you're the only woman at a, at a meeting, you've got to really put that aside and get engaged at the topic at hand and push forward the questions or the insights that you have as a contributor to the outcome of the meeting, the session, et cetera, so that people see you through your talent, yeah, not see you through your skin color. And that's not easy to do, but that's something that I've had to train myself to do. And the other thing that I would say that is really, really powerful is a lot of times I'll talk with ladies and they'll be like, well, if there's a lot of high octane, a personality guys, I can get talked over and different things like that. And do you have an advice on how to handle that? I said, well, so usually the most senior people in the meeting usually are controlling the agenda and the conversation flow. So call that person out by name and ask their permission to interject a thought. Two or three folks are talking over everybody X, Y, Z. Phil, when they're done, could I have a moment I've have a thought to share? Hmm. So what you did was you grabbed credibility of the top person in the room by using their name. And then you ask that top person a question that they invariably cannot say no to. Yeah. And then you created space in the meeting for you to share your point of view. And then when you have that point of view, say something that matters, that's helpful. Mm -hmm. But there are ways, there are terms, there are phrases where you can seize control of your environment uh, without title. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn a lot of those tricks to make sure that I was heard and that I was effective. Yeah. One way you can do that is just developing allies and just going before a meeting and saying, you know, Phil, I have this great idea. Sometimes I get talked over. Do you mind when this issue comes up that we can talk about this together? 
that's scary smart. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it's, and it's also how to go on offense. I mean, one of the things that a lot of people will talk about is the organization is not treating me a certain way. Mm. My coworkers aren't treating me a certain way. All of this makes sense. I, I understand. I focus when I'm mentoring people and the focus of my book in the space where I give advice is what's your responsibility? How should you behave? Yeah. How can you take control? What can you do tomorrow so that you have a better work experience, that you move further faster in your chosen field? Because I always felt better from a self-esteem standpoint when I was looking at actionable things I could do to change my situation in a positive way versus what other people weren't doing. That's awesome. That's what I try to teach my kids. So are there any takeaways that you feel are most important in this book? Personal responsibility, I would say, is most important. As an African-American, I can't control the history of race relations, but I can control my personal performance. I can control my openness to being mentored. I can control selecting the right company, the right environment for me. I can control my ambition level and willingness to push through the noise and still win anyway. I think people need to focus on the personal responsibility aspect while the world is continuing to evolve and change. That's great. And we've evolved a lot over the last 50, 60 years. It's a lot better. Yeah, a lot better. A lot better. <laughs> Where do you see diversity going in, in 20 years? Like, are we still growing? You know, unfortunately, human nature, we're always going to find ways to restrict weaker groups. And that's an unfortunate thing when people are chasing power. People are chasing celebrity. People are chasing money, right? So that's the black hat side of it. That's the negative side of it, so to speak. The positive thought is look at where we've come from. Look at the fact that you and I are, are working on a project together, that you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. We share ideas. We're sharing opportunities together. Think about the environments that we work in and uh, the fact that we've had an African-American president in our country's history. The fact that women in Congress, the numbers are overwhelmingly higher. Uh, women in leadership at companies is still not where it needs to be, but it's growing. There's overwhelming evidence of improvement. And I don't think that tsunami of change will stop. And I think it's good. And I'm excited about it. And I think that as long as those that are champions of change continue to keep pushing forward, those that create and want to maintain a status quo negative vibe, that group will get smaller and smaller. Because there'll be more and more examples of what success looks like. And what success looks like is going to be more diverse than ever before. And one of the ways that I see in our macroeconomic environment, way things are changing, is watch very closely advertising on television. You see more now interracial couples. Mm -hmm. You see more now women that are making buying decisions. You see more now imagery of women business people that are rising. You see more shows with women as the CEO or the leader, right? Or the uh, title characters in movies. It's still far away, but you're seeing that change. And the beautiful thing about ad people is they don't do things because of moralistic reasons. They do it because of the buying power shifts in a country. They do it by what moves the needle to grow the commerce of their firm. And you see more diverse content on television because people know that that's the way the world is becoming yeah. and it can't be stopped. And that gives me hope. It's really deep. Yeah. You mentioned advertisers. 
And uh, there's a part of the book, and you're going to have to download it to read about it, but there's um, a section of the book called Avoidable Dumb, let's just say stuff, the ADS, <laughs> the Avoidable Dumb Stuff. And you mentioned some advertisers who have made boneheaded decisions. Yes, yes, yes. And so make sure you, you read the book. Uh, you can get it at donaldthompson.com in the author section. And the book is Driving Diversity and Inclusion in the Workplace. Donald awesome. Thompson, thanks so much for joining your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of fun here. Hey, me as well. Jason, thank you so much for taking your time and your talents and really supporting us. And the last thing that I would that I would say is that uh, if I can be of help to somebody that's listening, reach out on LinkedIn, reach out on my website. I'll answer any question that comes. And the reason that the uh, ebook is free is I've been very fortunate in terms of how to create income and grow companies. And so building this book out uh, and this message, if you will, is something that I think is just part of the give back and, and what I owe for any success that I've had. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Donald. Thanks so much, Donald. I learned a lot by reading the book and talking to him. We're not all the same, and it's those differences that bring a diverse set of ideas to the table to allow your business to think differently and thrive. If you want the book, Driving Diversity and Inclusion in the Workplace, head on over to donaldthompson.com author and download it today. And as a reminder, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and check out some of the previous episodes as well with some tremendous guests. Until next time, I'm Jason Gilligan, and you've been listening to Hustle Unlimited. Hustle Unlimited.